Progressives rescind call to avoid World War III. NASA to study NAPs. What are they really? And Judge Toss's COVID mandate orders back pay for fired workers. This is the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. I just watched a few minutes of the Fetterman versus Dr. Oz debate because the media insisted that it was one of the most anticipated debates of the midterms. I don't think anyone really knew that until they told us that the past couple of days, but I tuned in nevertheless, just for a few minutes anyway. So as most people know, Fetterman had a stroke back in May, a pretty big one from what I understand. And the juxtaposition of the candidates here is extraordinary. On one side, we have a candidate who had a stroke five months ago, and the impact is obvious. And on the other side, we have a health expert. It's a stroke victim versus a health expert. And that's extraordinary. But what's even more extraordinary is that no one bats an eye over this. It's just normal at this point. In fact, what might even be more extraordinary than both of these things is that the same Democrats who don't want Biden to run again because of concerns over his mental capacity, they're all in for Fetterman. They're campaigning for him. They're funding his campaign. And what might truly be the most extraordinary thing of all is that the health expert is probably going to lose to the stroke victim. Watch this short clip of Fetterman answering a question about his health during the debate. Mr. Fetterman, we begin with you. You suffered, as you mentioned a moment ago, a stroke four days before the May primary. Last week, you released this note from your doctor saying you can work full duty in public office, but you have not released your detailed medical records surrounding your stroke. Mr. Fetterman, will you pledge tonight to release those records in the interest of transparency? You have 60 seconds. Uh, to me, for transparency is about showing up. I'm here today to have a debate. I have, you know, spe speeches in front of 3,000 people in Montgomery County, you know, all across Pennsylvania, big, big crowds. You know, I believe if my doctor believes that I'm fit to serve, and and that's what I believe is appropriate. And now, with two weeks before the election, you know, I have run a campaign, and I've been very transparent about being very open about the fact we're in use captioning. And I believe that, again, my doctors, the real doctors that I believe in, they all believe that I'm ready to be served. Follow up, I didn't hear you say you would release your full medical records. Why not? You have 30 seconds. No, uh, you know, again, my doctor all believes that I'm fit to be serving, and that's what I believe is where I'm standing. Okay, Mr. Fetterman, thank you. Mr. Oz, you have- He's struggling. There's no doubt about that. And it's hard not to feel sympathetic for him watching that. It, it really is. I, I, you feel bad for him. My dad had a stroke back in 2019, and it was tough for him. You know, you could tell when he was searching for something in his mind, not too unlike what you see with Fetterman here. And people who do have strokes can recover. There's no doubt about that. My dad, he made really an inspiring recovery, especially in regards to the effort that he put in to his recovery. And he did regain a lot of his ability to do many things that I would trust no one else with doing, myself included, that he was absolutely the best at handling. But he did have issues after his stroke with making decisions that he previously didn't have before, not that I ever experienced anyway. And that was something that he struggled with. And I believe that's common among people who have 
pretty bad strokes in Fetterman, as I said. He had a pretty bad stroke. You can tell by watching him here. Like I said, it's hard. It's really hard to watch that. And that's not a good thing to have if you're in a situation surrounded by a bunch of vultures who are aspiring in politics and want power for themselves and for their party, if you have a hard time making decisions. It means that you're somebody who they can manipulate to make decisions they want to make. And And he seems to be willingly a part of this, so I'm sure that's his own decision. But that makes it pretty clear why they would go all in for Fetterman is... He is kind of a, a willing puppet at this point, I think. And it, it, I feel sorry for him. He's going to win. He's honestly, he's going to win. I feel sorry for him. Campaigning has got to be stressful. Politics are stressful. A lot of stress is not a good thing for someone who just had a stroke five months ago to be experiencing all the time. The people who are putting him in this position are not his friends. They don't care about his well-being. They care about the role that he's filling, the the Senate seat or the, is he Senate or House? What is he running? He's running for Senate, right? Let me double check that. Fetterman, I think it's Senate. Yeah, it's Senate that he's running for. That's what they're concerned with because they want to get as much control of the Senate as possible. There's the battle over who is going to control it. And they'll put him through this. Somebody who had a stroke and probably doesn't need to be experiencing this much stress through that. So I feel sorry for him. As I said, it looks like he's going to win. I want to talk real quick about a robocall that is allegedly going around Georgia. I haven't gotten it, but they say that some people have, and they did play it on CNN yesterday or last night. I'm going to play it for you real quick. There is a totally scurrilous uh, robocall happening yeah. in Georgia that is someone pretending to support Stacey Abrams. Yeah. So let's oh. listen to this. This is awful. This is Jill, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm sure you'll agree with me that people that identify as women are under attack, not just in Georgia, but throughout our country. Georgia is lucky to have Stacey Abrams and Sanford Bishop fighting for our abortion rights. While some elected officials are trying to limit abortion rights to six months or even five months after conception, we are so lucky to have Stacey Abrams and Sanford Bishop fighting to protect our right to have an abortion up until the date of birth. Oh, I mean, just that's just so um, well sick. Yeah, yeah. some dog whistle, got, some very overt, yeah. right? Well, we made it to forty-three thousand phones. I've been around for a few elections, and this goes on in every election where these nasty robocalls go out in the eleventh hour. It's not the eleventh hour yet, I guess, but they make these calls, and you know nobody knows who really pays for them or who's sponsoring them. But it's a dirty trick. But this is nothing new. And normally they go out so late. Yeah. That, that when you do catch yeah. or you figure out who is doing it or who funding it, at yeah. that point, the election's used, already done. We used to call them suppression calls. Mm. Well, that's, that's, that's where it crosses the line. Calls. Suppression wow. calls is, is when it becomes illegal. I mean, the goal well, may be to The goal is that. to suppress. Right. Okay, so I think that that robocall is hilarious. I think it's brilliant, and I'd love to see more of that. It's parody or satire more than anything else. If you ask me, is anybody believing that? Really, are there people in Georgia who had their minds made up they were going to vote for Stacey and then they got this phone call from a strange number with a robotic voice telling them that Stacey Abrams is supporting abortion <laughs> up until the, the, the moment of birth? Is, is anybody say, like, oh my gosh, I had no idea, hanging up the phone. Now I'm voting Republican. They just believed it wholesale without actually searching to see if that were true at all. I, I'd be willing to bet that that influenced zero people to change their vote. So is it disinformation if it influences zero people? I don't think it is. To me, it sounds like satire. And 
I would ask if they're going to say this is disinfo, which they do, and they talk about, well, we'll talk about this in a second, but I would ask, how is this any different than this campaign ad from Eric Swalwell, which I did play in the XR the other day, but I have not played yet here. Mary Anderson? Yes? I have a warrant for your arrest. Arrest for what? Penal Code 243 violation. Unlawful termination of a pregnancy. You gotta be kidding me. I'm gonna pause it there because this actor that they cast here, the husband, he kind of looks to me like if Jimmy Kimmel and Seth Meyers had a baby. Yes? I have a warrant for your arrest. Arrest for what? Penal Code 243 violation. Unlawful termination of a pregnancy. You gotta be kidding me. That, that is my personal business. That's for the courts to decide, ma'am. Your medical records have been subpoenaed and Dr. Landry's already in custody. No, my, my God, you, you, you can't just- You will have to submit to a physical examination. What? By who? No, no, no one's touching sir, me. Sir, get that! Ma'am, turn around. Oh my Put oh your my hands God. behind your back. Now. Why is this happening? Love you. We're just enforcing the law here. Elections have consequences. Vote Democrat on November 8th. Stop Republicans from criminalizing abortion everywhere. Protect women's rights and freedom. Please don't do this. F- fantastic ad that should win you know comedy satire awards there to me very little difference in the robocall we heard and this ad here the robocall says stacy abrams is gonna let you have an abortion up until the moment of birth and, and the ad here says the cops are gonna the two most maga cops you ever met in your life are gonna come to your door and they're gonna they're gonna point guns at you and your children and then haul off the mom as the children are screaming if she has an abortion it's just campaign propaganda on both sides, yet the CNN anchors get all butthurt about that robocall, which I think is harmless and influences no one, really. I guess it could be argued that the robocall is going directly to your phone, but is this ad not going directly to people's phones via algorithms when they watch videos? Is it not popping up, forcing them to watch it before they watch whatever it is they want to watch on YouTube? Yeah, in fact, they're probably being exposed to that ad, this video ad, more than the robocall because people don't typically answer strange numbers that look like they're probably going to be some sort of robot trying to get you to do something. So I I would say they're basically one and the same, really. You could script, cast, and film that robocall and make it just like the Swalwell ad, even title it the same thing, elections have consequences, and they'd be the opposite sides of the same coin here. They're both ridiculous campaign propaganda, or as I see them, political satire. And the conversation that CNN had was about how to stop this stuff before it happens. Stop what? Stop stop this trolling? I mean, indivisible activists pass out Russian flags at Trump rallies. They admit this. They boast about it. They brag about it. They teach people to do it. They pretend to be Nazis at Trump rallies. This is what they say is the best way to fight back. Yet a robocall that no one believes needs to be stopped before it happens. I like the ad, the robocall, and I encourage more of it.
fact. I, I, I think they should go even further. I think it should be something like, hi, I'm Sarah, and my pronouns are they, them, and I am super excited that Stacey Abrams has promised to protect women's right to choose up until the 81-month mark. Post-birth abortions are every woman's right. Go all the way with it. See if they can call that disinformation then, if you go that far with it, because nobody's believing that that is actually Stacey Abrams' position. And even if they did kind of believe it, they would look it up before just switching to, beco- to become a Republican, okay? That's not any dangerous disinformation, but they would like us to believe that it is. Now let's talk about Ukraine. Everybody's favorite subject, I know. There was a letter that was sent by some liberals in Congress. Who was it? It was the Congressional Progressive Caucus. They sent a letter signed by 30 House liberals to the White House earlier this week that urged President Biden to negotiate directly with Russia to bring an end to the war in Ukraine. That's a good sign, right? I mean, it would be a lot better sign if they stopped voting to send Zelensky a monthly allowance of billions of dollars and weapons so that he can give them to the Nazis and the Azov Battalion. That would be a better sign. But this is still a step in the right direction, I guess. Well, should have known because the Progressive Caucus have rescinded that letter just a day after sending it. That's right. One day after they have rescinded it. And the letter was rescinded because of the pushback they received from Democrats who, after the letter was sent, those Dems who pushed back and Ukrainian officials argued that it was unrealistic to negotiate with Vladimir Putin, the Russian president. Now, those officials also worried that the letter could create more pressure on Biden as he tries to sustain domestic support for the war effort at a time when the region is heading into a potentially difficult winter and Republicans are threatening to cut aid to Ukraine if they retake Congress. The Congressional Progressive Caucus Chair, Pramilia, Jalapau, I might have mispronounced that, said that the letter was released by staff without vetting. Yeah, blame the staff. Maybe you can fire someone. It wasn't your own fault. They were putting out trial balloons. They were seeing what the response was going to be like, most likely. She went on to say that the proximity of these statements created the unfortunate appearance that Democrats who have strongly and unanimously supported and voted for every package of military, strategic, and economic assistance to the Ukraine people are somehow aligned with Republicans who seek to pull the plug on American support for President Volodymyr Zelensky and the Ukrainian forces. So, it seems as though the progressive Democrats wanted to make sure that nobody thought that they aligned with the Republicans over the Nazis. That's my takeaway from that there. We don't want anybody thinking that we're with the Republicans. We, we're with the neo-Nazis in the Azov Battalion. Give them all our taxpayer money. Several of the members of the caucus who signed the letter walk back their support of it with one saying that they wouldn't sign today and that they continue to support Ukraine economically and militarily to give them the leverage that they needed to end this war. The claim was that that letter was written back in June and they've all changed their minds now and they would never sign it right now because of course solidarity with ukraine i want to play something with for you real quick and i've played this before this is a just a brief clip from davos the world economic forum from a panel discussion called the view from capitol hill and this is apparently the most influential british finance financial journalist moderating a panel of u.s congressmen and women and she drills all of them on Gets them all on the record on their commitment to supporting Ukraine. I'm just going to show you one of the instances of this. Here's one of them. 
Senator Coons, I wanted to ask you about, it is true that there is currently bipartisan uh, public support for Ukraine, tremendous public support. Is, are you confident that in a world of high inflation, cost of living hits, all of those things, that that support will last? It's certainly something that in Europe worries people. She asked that question to every person on that panel because she wanted to get them all on the record. And she was very insistent about it, making sure that regardless of what happens during the midterms, they will continue to support Ukraine. This is a World Economic Forum initiative. They threw that out there. I'm guessing one of the reasons they threw that out there was to make it look like they reflected the beliefs and the sentiments of their voter base, which, you know, I'll, I'll read the letter to you, actually, so that you can see what the letter says so we know exactly what it was that they were rescinding. Can you imagine, by the way, feeling the need to rescind a letter that, make it, that makes it look like you don't support the neo-Nazis? I mean, that's what happened here. Here are the relevant portions of the letter. Dear Mr. President, we write with appreciation for your commitment to Ukraine's legitimate struggle against Russia's war of aggression. Your support for the self-defense of an independent, sovereign, and democratic state has been supported by Congress, including through various appropriations of military, economic, and humanitarian aid. In furtherance of this cause, your administration's policy was critical to enable the Ukrainian people, through their courageous fighting and heroic sacrifices, to deal with a historic military defeat to Russia, to deal a historic mil military defeat, forcing Russia to dramatically scale back the stated goal of the invasion. Crucially, you achieve this while also maintaining that it is imperative to avoid direct military conflict with Russia, which would lead to World War III, something we must strive to prevent. The risk of nuclear weapons being used has been estimated to be higher now than at any time since the height of the Cold War. Given the catastrophic possibilities of nuclear escalation and miscalculation, which only increases the longer the war continues, we agree with your goal of avoiding direct military conflict as an overriding national security priority. Given the destruction created by this war for Ukraine and the world, as well as the risk of catastrophic escalation, we also believe it is in the interest of Ukraine and the U.S. and the world to avoid a prolonged conflict. For this reason, we urge you to pair a military and economic support. We urge you to pair the military and economic support the United States has provided to Ukraine with a proactive diplomatic push, redoubling efforts to seek a realistic framework for ceasefire. They then go on to offer this framework and say that the alternative to diplomacy is a protracted war with both its attendant certainties and catastrophic and unknowable risk. Russia's invasion has caused incalculable harm for the people of Ukraine, leading to the deaths of countless thousands of civilians. Ukrainian soldiers and the displace displacement of 13 million people, while Russia's recent seizure of cities in Ukraine's east have led to the most pivotal moment in the conflict and the consolidation of Russian control over roughly 20% of Ukraine's territory. The conflict threatens an additional tens of millions more worldwide. As skyrocketing prices in wheat, fertilizer, and fuel spark acute crises in global hunger and poverty, a war that is allowed to grind on for years, potentially escalating in intensity and geographic scope, threatens to displace, kill, and immiserate um, far more Ukrainians while causing hunger, poverty, and death around the world. The conflict also contributed to the elevated gas and food prices at home. 
fueling inflation and high oil prices for Americans in recent months. Economists believe that if the situation in Ukraine stabilized, some of the speculative concerns driving higher fuel costs would subside and likely lead to a drop in world oil prices. We agree with the administration's perspective that is that it is not America's place to pressure Ukraine's government to uh, regarding sovereign decisions. And with the principle you, you have enunciated that there should be nothing about Ukraine without Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, right. But as legislators responsible for the expenditures of tens of billions of U.S. taxpayer dollars and military assistance in the conflict, we believe such involvement in this war also creates a responsibility for the United States to seriously explore all possible avenues, including direct engagement with Russia, to reduce harm and support to reduce harm and support Ukraine in achieving a peaceful settlement. In conclusion, we urge you to make a vigorous diplomatic efforts in support of a negotiated settlement and ceasefire, engage in direct talks with Russia, explore prospects for a new European security arrangement acceptable to all parties that will allow for a sovereign and independent Ukraine, and in coordination with our Ukrainian partners, seek a rapid end to the conflict and reiterate this goal as America's chief priority. That is what they rescinded. They called... To avoid World War III, they called to restore stability in Ukraine so that we can drop the gas prices, that we can help us recover economically over here because it's getting tough over here, and so that people, the things that people care about most can get better. And they called for a quick end to the conflict. And then they rescinded it and said, oh, we're sorry, we're so sorry, how could we be so stupid, we sound like Republican Russians siding with Putin, we're so sorry we called for an end for, you know, an avoidance of World War III. Can you imagine doing that, feeling bad about that? I mean, I hope they don't think they're going to get any votes by throwing that out there. Although not many people read that, I'm sure. Most people haven't actually read the thing, judging by the comments in the Washington Post section, the comment section of this article. Now, Nancy Pelosi came out and said, you know, reaffirmed that they are definitely still going to be standing with Ukraine. And there's no worry, kind of like they did in that clip I just played you. And also the White House spokesperson, John Kirby, said that they appreciate the concerns of the lawmakers, but they're not shifting strategy. They're not going to have conversations with Russian leadership without Ukrainians being represented. He said, Mr. Zelensky gets to determine because it's his country what success looks like and when to negotiate. Is is that how it works, really? We give him billions of dollars every other week and it's up to him. Is that how an allowance works with a kid? And besides, I thought this was a war for democracies all around the world, not just Ukraine. But Zelensky gets to decide. Okay, that makes a whole lot of sense. That's stupid. And those people who walk that back should be ashamed of themselves. I mean, it, it was kind of reflecting what their voter base probably feels like, actually. Although their voter base isn't going to read that. Here are some of the comments on this article in the Washington Post from Washington Post readers. Jaya Powell's blind ambition gets her in trouble. She's not sound enough for the party's leadership. But <laughs> these people are just, these are war-hungry progressives. Didn't they used to be the anti-war party? PayPal screwed this up royally, and I'm a Democrat. The so-called progressive Democrats have a death wish. How stupid can they be? And they're just a bunch of representatives in safe districts with overwhelming majorities. Meanwhile, they hurt all Democrats in close elections. It's frustrating being a Democrat. you got to be kidding me. They literally called to avoid World War III, and these Democrats are calling them stupid. How brainwashed can you be? (laughs) 
Jayapal and the people that signed this letter were not in step with the president, acting outside of his agenda. It's not his agenda. It's the Build Back Better Great Reset agenda. This could have been handled in a meeting with the president. Instead, they stupidly went public. It looks, it's a bad look for Jayapal. I should look up how to pronounce her name real quick. Jayapal. It's a bad look for Jayapal and those having signed this letter. It exposes each of them as being more concerned about their own careers and place in the party rather than foreign policy. That's MAGA behavior. That's MAGA behavior to want to avoid World War III. Maybe he's right. Maybe this. Maybe Miss Money Penny is right about that. Oh, that's evil MAGA behavior, wanting to avoid a nuclear holocaust. So this letter was released by staff without being vetted. That's absolute BS. Yeah, no, duh. no letter to the president of the United States is sent without being properly vetted, particularly by a caucus. Sounds like they're more concerned with being viewed in alignment with the Republicans than. And this is unbelievable. These people. Did they read the letter? The letter called to avoid World War Three. Did you idiots read it? Whip of Christ comments, as my mommy used to tell me, better to keep your mouth shut and have people think you're an idiot than open it and prove unbelievable. Wow. What an ill-conceived idea at the worst time. Have the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers use their words against them? This is crazy. This is crazy. These are Washington Post readers. Now, all of them are just bloodthirsty for war. Wow. Good grief, what's wrong with this woman and her supporters? Isn't one Hitler enough? Oh my God. What the F? It, she, it, giddy, giddy, giddy grit says, isn't one Hitler enough? Or no, wait, this was Marine Sharpshot. Oh, well, this, this Hitler wants to avoid World War III and end the war quickly and negotiate peace. Ah, oh, how awful. I can't find one person who disagrees with this. Morons, what a, what a gift to the GOP. <laughs> Just when you thought it couldn't get worse, these clueless clowns from a circular firing squad around Biden and shoot, they form a circular firing squad and shoot. Ready, aim, inconceivable. Oh my God, what is wrong with these people? What is wrong with these people? It, no, not, not one person in these comments says, yeah, maybe we shouldn't go to World War III. They all want this World War III. There's 7,155 comments on this. I'm not going to go through all of them, obviously, but the, I, I can't find one. I did read one earlier that has gotten pushed down, just one, that was like, yeah, that's a good idea. I, yeah, doesn't, doesn't that make sense to everybody? And everybody's like, F you, die, Hitler. These people are out of their effing minds, man. Moving on to the next story. Troops are about 250 miles away, United States troops from Russia. With NATO, Army's 101st Airborne Division has deployed to Europe for the first time since the last World War. I will let you watch the clip from CBS. I mean, this ought to show you right here that that letter wasn't anything to be taken seriously because they're already moving people ready to go. Now, just over the border in Romania, CBS News was given exclusive access to the Army's 101st Airborne Division as they are deployed to Europe for the first time since the last World War. CBS's Charlie Daggett is there. They're America's go-to combat troops. Go, 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 go! The soldiers of the 101st Airborne Division, now the closest U.S. forces to the fight in Ukraine. 
we join Colonel Edwin Mathedis and Brigadier General John Lubis on board a Black Hawk helicopter where we flew along the coast of the Black Sea, across those same waters from Russian-held territory in Ukraine, including Crimea. What is the what if? What are you preparing for? We got two major tasks, right? To, to assure our allies and deter our adversaries from doing anything. Fully aware those adversaries have eyes on everything this close. That part of it? That's the tire part, man. That's the whole deter aspect, right? They know that we're here. They know that we're ready. We're just coming within three, three and a half miles of the Ukrainian border. In fact, that city behind us is in Ukraine. We're right on the edge of NATO territory. We reach a forward operating site watch forces of the 101st Screaming Eagles in joint exercises with Romanian troops. Tanks, artillery, open fire with live rounds. A drill designed to replicate the exact battle conditions in Ukraine. Roughly 4,700 soldiers of the 101st have been sent from Fort Campbell, Kentucky to reinforce NATO's eastern flank. On war footing. This is a full deployment. Yeah, this is not a training deployment. This is a combat deployment for us. We understand that we need to be ready to fight tonight, uh, depending on how the situation es escalates across the border. In this case, that border includes the Black Sea right behind us. This marks the first time the 101st Airborne Division has been headquartered here in Europe since World War II. The general told us that symbolism is not lost on his soldiers. Nora? Charlie Daggett in Romania. Thank you. And there you have it. So we're moving troops over there and preparing for World War III because only Vladimir Zelensky gets to decide if we're not going to go to World War III, which we know is not true because even he was trying to negotiate before, but then he realized that he's not in charge. He's an actor playing a role and others are in charge. These, these, People who work beyond nation states to try and control the world, like those at the World Economic Forum, other think tanks, they want this to happen. And we're already at World War III. It's just not kinetic for us anyway. But it looks like we're going to be pushing some of our soldiers over there, and it will be for them, unfortunately. And because they made the military ads so woke, recruitment is down, and people are starting to ask who's going to fight in this war if we do end up having a full-fledged World War III. And, and what will happen is they'll possibly have to reinstate the draft if their recruiting efforts don't pick up. And then some of the very, the children of some of the very woke people who infected this country with this woke agenda, including the military advertising, will see their children get drafted. And I hope it doesn't come to that. And I think we all hope it doesn't come to that. Let's end on a little bit of a better note here for the DMB anyway. Before we get to that final story that we're going to talk about today, which is going to be about... A judge that tossed the, the COVID vaccine mandate and has ordered that fired city workers back to work and to be given back pay. So that's a positive story we're going to talk about. I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the DMB XR, which is going to be Mark Zuckerberg's weird little meta 2022 release thing that he did. I did a whole profile on the one they did last year. He released a second one. And what the new technology they're rolling out, the impact it might have on working from home, among other things. It's, it's some pretty wild stuff he's trying to, trying to create. 
And if you want to get access to that content, you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and subscribe there. Today, what you will get along with that subscriber-only portion of the show is you will get this show ad-free. I take out the ads for all those who subscribe, and you'll get both this show and the subscriber-only portion into your private personal Patreon RSS feed. It will go directly there. You can pop that into whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, and it'll, it'll go straight to your podcast app. So check that out, patreon.com slash propaganda report. That is how we support the show. And also, you can support the show by giving giving us a five-star rating on, on whatever your app is and leaving a nice comment that warms my heart and keeps me motivated. I can't tell you how much that helps me. It truly does. It, it does. It, it keeps my morale high. And if I'm feeling unmotivated, it motivates me amazingly. So thank you for that. Truly, thank you for that. All right. Now on to the final story of the day. New York City's controversial COVID-19 vaccine mandate for municipal workers was enacted illegally and employers who or employees who were fired for refusing to comply must be immediately reinstated with back pay, a state judge has ruled. The judge says it is time for the city of New York to do what is right and what is just. Staten Island Supreme Court Justice Ralph Porzio wrote in a decision that he made public on Tuesday, more than 17, 1,750 city workers were fired for refusing to get vaccinated, including 36 members of the NYPD and more than 950 Department of Education employees. In his 13-page ruling, Porzio said, then, said that then-City Health Commissioner David Shuksky on October 21st ordered, said that, that his order violates the separation of powers doctrine enshrined in the state constitution and that the vaccination mandate for city employees was not just about safety and public health. It was about compliance. It, if it was about safety and public health, unvaccinated workers would have been placed on leave the moment the order was issued. If it was about safety and public health, the health commissioner would have issued a citywide mandate for all residents. The ruling came in response to a suit filed earlier this year by 16 former sanitation department workers who were fired in February for refusing to get vaccinated and uh, and it only applies to them. This ruling does, although their lawyer says that other state employees could sue and get the same outcome as well, he believes. Porzio said, experience from the pandemic has shown that the protections provided by vaccinations were not absolute, with breakthrough infections occurring even for those who have been vaccinated and boosted, and that under the terms of the ruling, which he dated on Monday, that the fired sanitation workers were to be reinstated, their full employment status as of 6 a.m. on Tuesday, and they are also entitled to back pay and salary from the date of termination and were directed to submit a, a proposed judgment against the city by November 10th. It is being appealed, of course, but that is a win, I think, for now. I think we've got to take these wins as we see them, and that one looks good to me. So we'll go out on that. Thank you guys for listening. We will continue this conversation in the DMBXR. You can get that subscriber-only portion of the show, as I mentioned, at patreon.com slash propaganda report. You can subscribe there today. We will talk to you all next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day. <laughs>